0: I'm going to share with you today the third and most likely final part of this uh, series, Put the Standards Back. And uh, I know this has, once again, this has not been one of those kind of sermons where you just jump up and down and you just wallow in the presence of God and you go home feeling goosebumps uh, the rest of the day. But this has been a series that I believe is timely for the church, especially here in America today, and is timely for all of us today. Put the standards back. And uh, just to once again remind you, I'm not talking about your salvation, your righteousness, or your place in Christ as his child. That is all done by faith. There are no works that you can add to that. However, when you are his child, you are saved for the purpose of good works, and you play a role in being obedient to following the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Come on. Come on, rather. And and, and doing the works of Of God and that's what this is really about so I'm not saying you need to do these things to be saved or stay saved or be righteous or Holy we know that comes by faith and faith alone through grace But what I'm talking about is the hunger the desire to please God and do good works here on earth The reason these messages matter because you're you're born again. You're going to heaven anyway, aren't you? Right, you can go to heaven um, you know if you known somebody who has multiple children and some of the children, they're all raised the same. And some of them are just so polite and they work hard and pay their bills. And and, and then there's the, the black sheep of the family that just does everything wrong uh, and, and refuses to uh, follow the family values and do the things they should. Uh, and you know that you're familiar with that. Well, you know, God's family is the same way. Is, is there some of us that just don't do what we should do? And there's others that do it more often, but we're all God's children and we're all going to heaven with him someday. Amen. So you can really not care about these messages if you choose to. Let me tell you why you should care because you should care about the people around you. You should care about the family members you have. You should care about your neighbors and your coworkers and that God sends his message of hope and love to the world through the church. You and I are living letters. God doesn't use the U.S. mail. He uses you and I to send his message of love to the world. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be a letter that has chicken scratch on it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I write notes for sermons and I can't even read what I wrote. I don't even know what it says because I'm just scratching stuff off. I don't want to live a life that looks like chicken scratch to people. I want to be as clear as loving as possible so that when people look at my life, it points them to Jesus. Amen. Because I care about them. I'm going to read to you in Philippians 3, 17 through 20. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. What does he mean by walk? He means by how you live your life, how you move through life, and the pattern that you see in him. In the apostles, how they lived for many walk of whom I have often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We learned in the first week of this series that there is certain standards that people live by, and the world especially lives by the standard that Paul talks about here, and that is their appetite is their God. In other words, what is the thing that they live by? It's whatever they feel like doing whenever they feel like doing it. That's why people can't keep jobs. That's why people can't keep marriages. That's why people can't stay in church. That's why people can't keep a budget. That's why people can't keep a diet. That's why all of us, and I'm not trying to shame anybody because we're all guilty of not being able to stay focused and do what we should do because when your appetite becomes the standard by which you live, you simply live a wishy-washy up and down, here and there, whatever I feel. If you feel like studying, you study. If you don't feel like studying, you don't study and you fail your class. So many people, they'll start college and they'll do well because they're into it. All of a sudden, they're not into it anymore and they just drop out and they're left with student loans. Why? Up and down. My God is my appetite. That's what I serve, whatever I feel like doing. And you live in this kind of a life. Let me promise you something. Wandering around like this is going to get you nowhere important. Once again, you might make it to heaven, but you're probably not going to take a lot of folks with you. Come on. That's the world's pattern of living. Paul says, don't let your appetite be your God. Don't let that be the standard by which you live. Don't let it rule you. And yet that's even crept into the church, hasn't it? Christians living in such a way that they only do what they want to do. Can I tell you once again, the Holy Spirit is not your feelings. When you feel something, that's not always God. Sometimes you feel like doing things that you know you shouldn't do. Come on. Are we human? Amen. You can't trust your feelings to tell you when to get up, when to move, when to give, when to go to church, when to help your neighbor, when to love somebody. You can't let your feelings be your God. There's something greater than that. Christians who live according to the pattern of the world are at the very least ineffective for God. See, there's a battle going on in you. It's the spirit versus the flesh. The spirit in your born again believers wants to do what God wants us to do. But the flesh always wants to do the opposite of that, right? The flesh says, no, stay in bed. The flesh says, no, keep your money. Don't help your neighbor. The flesh says, tell them off. They need to hear your point of view. I got something to say and you need to hear what I have to say. The spirit's saying, shut your mouth. Just be quiet. Be kind. Let it go. It doesn't matter. Just move on, right? The question is, who wins? Who wins? And we learned last week that we need self-discipline to determine that the spirit wins and not the flesh That one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is that he gives us the ability the power for self-control To control ourselves. You never have to say it. You never have to do the wrong thing. You never have to do it We have discipline, the power because sin no longer reigns over us, right? It doesn't control us anymore Amen. We have the power to say no to the flesh and yes to God. So we know that that internal thing is inside of us. You, you born again believer, the God of the universe lives inside of you. He is pushing you to do the right thing at all times, but your flesh is trying to do the wrong things. And there's this struggle going on. And who will win? Well, you determine who will win. And God has given us the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit to empower our decisions. But he's also given us some external things that I want to challenge you to use in your daily life to help you be more consistent. Once again, Jesus is up here like his life is consistent same yesterday today and forever. God's word doesn't change It's the same yesterday today and forever and while the world is living like this We're not perfect, but we're trying to get a little closer to Jesus aren't we we're trying to be more consistent right and more closer to Jesus than we were yesterday Last week we talked about accountability being one of those things that we can put in our lives and how that when you belong to a local body of believers, and I don't care if you meet in your house or if you meet in the giant church down the road, or you meet in a church this size, if you meet with believers on a regular basis and you have people who are in spiritual authority looking out for you, you become accountable to each other. And it's a good thing. Come on. We're living in a time where people want to go somewhere where nobody knows their name. That way they can give when they want to. They can come when they want to. They can volunteer when they want to. And there is no accountability to anyone. But if you belong to a people that know your name, if you go missing, if you're a a sheep that's gotten lost, people know your name and they help you do the right thing. Now, I know some people are thinking that sounds unpleasant. I don't want people knowing my business. Well, here's the key. If you're going to do what I suggest to you today from God's word, you're going to have to want to grow more than you want to be at ease and at peace. You're going to have to want to, to be more like Jesus, more than you want to just be at pleasurable as a Christian and, and have no difficulty or challenges. But I'm telling you today that accountability is something that's really going to help you stay focused and make good choices in your life. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but it will help you for sure. Once again, if you haven't seen or heard the first two sermons of this series, I would encourage you to sit down, go on YouTube or the the church uh, website, You'll find both of those sermons there, and I want to challenge you to listen to them and really figure out how you can apply these things to your life. Once again, no one in here is jumping up and down right now, but I'm telling you stuff that's going to help you be more like Jesus when you leave here. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about setting some personal markers in your life, some reminders, some boundaries, some goals in your life. These are some things that can help you Live up to the true standard that the Christian lives by. If the Christian doesn't live by our appetite, what do we live by? We live by the word of God. See, some people think, well, we live by the spirit within us. And yes, the spirit will drive us, but he will always push us, drive us, pull us in alignment with the word of God. Is that right? God gave us something external. To help us. And it's the word of God. It's your Bible and you read it. And that's the standard we live by. So when you feel like hating your neighbor, you know, the Bible says, love your neighbor. So what do you do? You choose to love and not hate. Amen. When the Bible says to give and it shall be given unto you, but you want to be selfish and buy yourself more things What do you do? Do you buy yourself more things or do you do what the Bible tells you to do? The Christian life is made up of a lot of decisions where you do what you don't want to do, but you do it because the Bible tells you to do it. Come on. This is good stuff here. Hallelujah. There are some personal markers you can set up. Let me give you an example. I'm going to talk to you about the founding of our country. I believe this government, this form of civil government here in the United States is the best the world has ever seen. And that doesn't mean it's perfect by any means. And we're always trying to improve things. But I believe apart from the kingdom of God, right? And, and Jesus is coming to set up the perfect government soon. But until then, the USA is uh, the best we've seen so far. The founders didn't do it by their feelings. I want to help you today. Use them to see how you can set up your own life. For something powerful. The founders set up some founding documents that we still live by today. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. First of all, they found the right place to plan the future. And when I say the right place, I mean, they mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that got in the right frame of mind to decide how they wanted the country to be. They didn't just decide based on what they woke up feeling today. They didn't decide based on what the current uh, popular thing is in the world today. They got themselves in a place where they were talking to each other, right? And so they were now accountable to each other. You know, when when you share your ideas with other people, the dumb ones get filtered out. Come on. The, the things you shouldn't say and the, the dumb ideas and maybe the hateful ideas and the spiteful ideas, those are the things you mumble under your breath. But when you share your ideas with other people, a lot of the bad ones get filtered out. They were accountable to each other. They took time, they got in the right frame of mind, and they spelled out ahead of time how the country Should be ran are you with me so far in other words they didn't just day one decide a law and then a month later something come up and they decide another law and five years down the road they decide another law they they decided ahead of time how things should be uh, run in this country and number two they set some standards the Declaration of Independence is a document that tells why we became a country the Constitution is a document that tells how we live and exist as a country And the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, are markers. These are things that are set in stone, so to speak, that we live by. And when it becomes inconvenient for there to be freedom of speech, we stick to freedom of speech, right? We've predetermined that it's better to let everybody say what they feel like saying than to tell people what they can and cannot say. When we have freedom of religion... We stick to freedom of religion, even though there may be some people who have some crazy, wild ideas that are just so far out of the mainstream. We don't shut them down because we want everyone to be free to worship as they want. These are markers that we've set out and and we've determined ahead of time that this is how this country should exist. Are you with me so far? Now, there's a, a popular... Uh, term going around today about the constitution that it should be a living document. And what is meant by that is that we should be able to just change it whenever we feel like changing it. Does that sound familiar to you today? Now, I don't want to get too political with you. And maybe there's been some amendments and changes to the constitution, but they're hard to come by. And the reason is if you have a constitution That is the standard by which the civil government exists that can constantly be changed. The Democrats come in power and they change everything. And then the Republicans come in power and they reverse everything the Democrats did. And then it just goes back and forth. And we'll end up with a wishy-washy country that just does whatever who happens to be in power wants it to do. No, there is a reason that God has given us the ability to set some standards in our life that we stick by. Standards that guide us when we don't feel like doing what we ought to do are you with me so far amen God's Word is the standard by which we live and there are some markers we can set in our life to help us live closer to the standards we just had communion earlier communion is a standard we should remember the the blood and the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ all the time but we don't you know what and you know what we do about that we have communion to remind us amen it's, a, it's something that we decide we're going to do on a regular basis to help us remember what Jesus did for us. Easter, we should celebrate the resurrection of Jesus all the time, but we don't. That's why we have Easter, to remind us to never forget that Jesus rose from the dead. How many of you have an alarm clock set in the morning? How many of you don't need an alarm clock? You just get up, bright Adam, bushy tail. Anybody? I was going to slap you, Diane. Don't. <laughs> no. She's, my, she's a morning person. God bless her. Full of the Holy Ghost. Most of us need an alarm clock. You know what an alarm clock is? It's a standard that says you don't get up when you want to, you get up when you should. Are you hearing me today? Think about it. A company mission statement. You know why companies have mission statements that say we're the friendliest place in town? Because they, they just let their employees show up and be in whatever mood they wanted them to be in. It probably wouldn't be friendly very often, would it? But they tell you, hey, suck it up. I don't care how little sleep you got or how bad a situation you're going through. Smile and be nice to the customers. It's a standard that we make ourselves live by. Personal goals. Deciding that you're going to budget your money is nothing more than a standard. It is a marker that you set. You pick a time and you decide ahead of time how you want to spend your money. And then you do your best to discipline yourself to do what you decided to do. Marriage vows. Marriage vows. You know, people don't take marriage vows seriously. I marry people, and I, I honestly, I, sometimes I wish I, would, I didn't even have to marry people anymore. You know why? Because even Christians don't, you, they don't take them seriously. They don't take them. It's supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be you're saying ahead of time. You've decided you've got your mind and your spirit in a good place, and you've decided ahead of time, I'm going to spend my life with this person, whether we're rich or poor whether they're sick or healthy, whether we fight and struggle, whether they fall or I fall, until death do us part, I'm deciding ahead of time I'm going to do that. And then you set a marker on your ceremony and you declare that to all of your friends and family in front of everyone. You set a marker so that Five years from now, when you're tired of your husband making a mess everywhere and you're looking at somebody else thinking, I bet he'd be a better husband, that marker, that vow is there telling you, you don't do what you feel like doing. You do what you should do. You've decided ahead of time, you'll be faithful till the end. You're not quitting on this marriage, no matter how bad it gets. Is that the kind of marriages we have today? You know why? Because people get up and they let their appetite be their God. It's the standard by which they live. Remember, once again, why we need to set these markers. It's to discipline our fleshly lives so that we are closer to the standard of the Word of God. Amen? So I want to encourage you today. How do you do this in your life as a Christian? First of all, find the right place. You're going to have to take some time in your life to find the right place. What I mean by that is get into the right frame of mind, get in prayer, get alone with God, get, get away if you have to, get some perspective on your life and decide where your life should be headed. Don't just wake up and decide things. Look, if you just woke up one morning and decided you were going to ask somebody to marry you, that's, that might be a mistake. If you just got up one morning, decided you wanted to go to college and you go down there and start signing off loan payments, you might be making a big mistake. Get yourself in a place where you have a noble mindset, an honest mindset, where you can see your life clearly, pray about it, let God talk to you, submit to the word of God so that you can determine what is right for your life. This is so important. You know why people don't have effective lives? Because they never do this. Even people who aren't Christians take time every week, every month to stop, get away, and set some goals for their life. They look at where they've been, and they recalibrate, and they set some goals. You know what goals are? They're markers to help you do things as you should do them so that you accomplish things you should rather than just doing what you feel like doing for the next week or month or year. Amen? And people don't get into that place where they hear from God and God tells them what they should do. They just get up and they let their feelings tell them what to do. Find the right place. Get yourself in the right frame of mind and then set some markers in your life. Write them down. Write them down. Write them down. Let me say it again. Write them down. It's important that you decide, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to save so much money. I want to get out of debt. I want to do these things. I remember years ago, I was a a part-time pastor, and one of the things that I wrote down in my goals was that I wanted to be full-time in the ministry so I could devote my entire life to the kingdom of God. And it's been uh, close to 20 years now that that's been the case for me. And writing it down mattered. Not only did I write it down, but I went over it often. I read it often, you know why? Because we tend to drift, don't we? We tend to just kind of drift away. You notice this in your diet. Kathy and I are trying to eat more healthy uh, and it's not always easy because I drift, you know? I like to eat and she cooks so good. (laughs) And I just eat and eat and before I know it, I'm just stuffed and then my brain goes, hey dummy, you overate. (laughs) I'm not alone in this place, am I? really? We tend to drift and we need these markers to remind us. They're they're reminders of where we should be headed. They are warning signs to tell us don't go too far. They're important for us. Write them down, go over them often. And when you fail, which you inevitably will get back on track. Amen. The Christian life is really about getting up over and over and over and over again. That's what it is, isn't it? It's getting up over and over and over again. And as we grow, what happens is we fall less often and also we stay down less often. We learn to just keep getting back up and going back at it again. If you've fallen over, let me encourage you today get yourself back up and get back to the place that God wants you to be. Amen. I'm going to give you a couple examples today that I think will help you. One of them is giving. What kind of giver do you want to be? What kind of giver? Do you want to be let me read you a scripture today 2nd Corinthians 9 6 through 7 Now this I say he who sows sparingly in other words he who gives sparingly will also reap sparingly in other words if you give sparingly you will receive a a return that is sparing the same way that you gave and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully watch this each one must do what he has purposed in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let me tell you what people think that means. They hear that part. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. What they think that means is that you just, you just give whatever you feel like giving. And that's God's will for your life. Let me assure you that that is not God's will for your giving life. Let's take a closer look at what it says. It says each one must do. Must implies there are times when you're going to have to do it when you don't want to do it Come on and watch this. We must do what we must do as we have purposed in our heart That implies to me that somewhere beforehand. We've decided what we're going to do. Come on Can I tell you that whether you believe in the tithe or not a given 10% of your income? I decided a long time ago. I'm gonna do it. You know what I do? I tithe and sometimes it is real Uh, inconvenient to give 10% of my income to the church, but I do it because somewhere in the past I have purposed in my heart and now I must do what I purposed in my heart. Now that doesn't sound like you just showed up and gave whatever you felt like giving in the moment, does it? It sounds like you decided ahead of time. You got yourself in a good place. You made a choice about how you were going to give And then you followed through. And because of that, you are a cheerful giver. Amen? Amen? You know what will make you uncheerful? Doing whatever you feel like doing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what will make you feel cheerful? Knowing that you've had some discipline and you did what you should have done. Some people today, let me just tell you really quickly, you're not sleeping at night because you're doing what you feel like doing rather than what you should be doing. If you would discipline yourself and do some things that God told you to do in his word, you'd actually sleep better at night and feel better about yourself. Come on. Are you with me today? This is one example. So giving is not just your appetite. It is a decision you make ahead of time that you follow through on, whether you feel like it or not. Let's talk about the church assembling together. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Should we go to church? There are a lot of of people these days saying you don't need to go to church. Church is a bad place. Uh, And I always say this, you know, there's bad people there. And I'm like, well, there's room for one more. Why don't you join us? Because you're not any better. You're not any less of a hypocrite or a troublemaker or a problem. Come on. And, uh, you know, anything that has humans involved in it is going to have bad things and mistakes and challenges. And, and, and if a church is ever perfect and you show up to it, it won't be perfect anymore, right? Amen or oh me? Come on. But that's popular these days. And why don't people want to go to church? Why do they want to be Christians without going to church? Well. It goes back to like, I don't want to be accountable to anyone. I don't want anyone to know when I come or go or give or any of that. I just want to do what I feel like doing on the inside, which is a big mistake because what we should be doing is what God says in his word. Amen. Is this making sense to you all today? So Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Can we just stop there for a minute? This is just the setup. And it's already gotten good, hasn't it? Listen to this. Let us hold fast. What does he mean by that? Grab on and don't let go. Grab on like a pit bull and don't let go. What are we holding on to? The confession of our hope and without wavering. Christians aren't supposed to be wishy-washy, moved around by every wind and the latest thing that's going on. Christians are supposed to be firm. Firm relentless holding on we won't be moved and we do this without wavering for God who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near you've heard that many times before Uh, there's no denying this. Don't forsake assembling yourselves together like some people are doing. Even in Paul's time, people were forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. He said, don't do that because it's not the way it should be. You were born into a family. We need each other. You need me. I need you. We need each other. There's things about us coming together on a regular basis that are irreplaceable. Amen? And we need to come together. Now, I want you to notice what he says, though. He says, don't, he's not saying just wake up in the morning and decide whether you want to come to church or not. He says, uh, encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. As you see, whenever your time uh, to meet is, if your church meets at Sunday at 1.30, and you know that's coming, then on Wednesday, start getting your calendar ready. Start encouraging other people to come and be here with us. Start encouraging other people. Get your clothes ready. Don't, don't do this thing where you it's 3 o'clock on, on Sunday morning and you don't have any clothes to wear. And, and you just, uh, well, I guess I ain't going to get to church tomorrow because I didn't plan everything out. He's saying ahead of time, decide ahead of time that you're going to be a churchgoer. And that when church opens, you're going to be there. Let me tell you something about Your human life. There are so many things about your human life that are going to prevent you from doing the things you should do that you ought to decide now to do them all the time, every time. Let me give you an example. If you decide you're never going to miss a day of work and you get up and you go to work every day, that's your intention. There will come some days where you get sick and you can't go to work. And people who do that, they usually get sick pay and they usually don't miss any money. But the people who from time to time decide at the last minute they're not going in because they didn't go to bed early enough or something like that. Come on. You know what happens? They use up all their sick time and it's only March. And then when they really get sick, they don't have any sick time because they didn't decide ahead of time how they were going to conduct themselves at work. It's the same with going to church if you just wake up and see how you feel about going to church You're not going to be that faithful But if you decide ahead of time I was raised in such a way that you go to church when the doors are open Amen if family was to come and visit on sunday morning, they'd come to church with you If they didn't want to come to church, they could stay at your house till you got back But you were going to church on sunday morning yeah, we had some times where we were on uh, a or on a vacation or had something else happen That happens from time to time I'm not talking about the occasional time that you miss. I'm talking about getting up in the morning And deciding that i'm gonna go or i'm not gonna go. That's not the way we do it church We do it ahead of time We decide ahead of time and as the day gets closer, we make sure we're ready You know, you know, um Here's one thing I've got to do. I'm 55 years old, and I'm probably the whitest human being you've ever met in your life. I'm really white. I mean, you guys don't even know. Um, And I don't do good in the sun anymore. I get so overheated so easily these days. And you know what I have to do? I have to watch where I go and what I do on Saturdays. And sometimes I have to miss out on some stuff because I need to be here on Sunday. That's a commitment I have to make as I see the day approaching. And there's sometimes in the early in the week, I'm sick. And so I have to decide, you know what? The end of the week, I've got to really get to bed early. I got to make sure I don't eat the wrong kind of food. I got to do the right thing. Why? Because I see the day approaching and I'm going to be in the house of God. Amen. I'm not going to wait till the last minute to tell me when and what I should do. Are you understanding what the scripture is telling us today? It is teaching us something that the world is telling you the opposite of. The world is saying, whatever you feel like doing, do it. Whenever you feel like doing it, do it. That's right for you. Truth is yours. Morality is yours. Live by the standard of how you feel when you get up in the morning. If you feel like loving your husband or wife, love them. If you feel like leaving them, just leave them. That's up to you. You just do what you want to do. If you feel like punching your neighbor in the nose, punch your neighbor in the nose. You know, I'm being a little ridiculous, but the truth is that's the way a lot of us live. We've made our appetite our God instead of the word of God. But if you, if you child of God, if you want to be like Jesus, once again, why does this matter? Because those around us who are watching us matter. Who are the greatest Christian influencers of your life? Are they the ones that are in church and out of church? up and down, close to God, away from God, or are they the ones who are more consistent? They're not perfect, but you've seen them 10, 20 years ago, and they love Jesus, and they're in the house of God. And if one church closes, they'll find another one. Amen? They're going to do, if they lose a Bible, they'll buy another one. Come on. They'll have times where they're going through the struggle and they're faithful to God. They'll have times when they're on the mountaintop and they're faithful to God. These are the people that push us to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people that pushes my folks to Jesus. Ephesians 2.10, and I'm closing here, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were saved, born again, remade, given the Holy Spirit so that you could do good works. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Did you know that? Some people, you know, if if I just say, you know what, you are God's light in the world. Oh, no, not me. Jesus is the light. Well, Jesus is the light, but you know how he is manifest in the world? Through you. You are the light of the world. Jesus himself said it. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does a light, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand. And it gives all, light to all who are in the house. So, let your light shine. Let your light shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works. Let me say that again. Nobody will know your Jesus unless they see your good works. They can't see Jesus inside of you. They can't see love inside of you. They have to see it being lived out of you. And when they see you love your neighbor and say good things, when they hear you talk about Jesus, when they see that you say no to things that you should say no to, they see your good works and they know your Father in heaven. You're pushing them to Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you for this challenging word that we've had today. It's challenged me for sure, God. Because, Lord, I want to be the best I can be for you. I want to be the most effective I can be for you. I don't want to live a wishy-washy, up-and-down, ineffective Christian life. I don't want to be my flesh, my appetites to be my God. I want to know the Word of God. I want to be relentlessly passionately driven to obey the Word of God even when I don't feel like it I want to submit to God's Word God's purpose God's plan over my life even when my flesh just doesn't want to and so Lord Jesus I pray that we would take these messages these last three messages and they would help us as God's children to be more consistent more like Jesus to live according to the standard of God's word, and not to our feelings. I thank you and I praise you for it, God, that as we do, you're going to use us in our families. That we'll be a light in our jobs and schools and in our communities and online, social media. Everywhere our presence is known, God, you will use us as light in a world that is dark. We thank you for that, Lord. We praise you for that, Lord. For you are worthy of our Best effort. Christ's name I pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you guys.